wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Hey everyone, welcome to the last episode of A Quirky Journey for 2019. I'm here in one of my favorite spots um, at the local waterfall out in the rainforest. Um, I often come here in the mornings and just spend a little bit of time thinking and preparing for the day and I thought I'd do my last podcast intro here and wish you all a Merry Christmas and I really hope that you all get some downtime over the holidays, preferably in nature. Um, Get out of town, go camping, go bushwalking, go swimming in waterfalls, enjoy some time out. Um, I just really think that that is the most refreshing kind of holiday you can have. Um, and I hope you get plenty of time with family and friends and really enjoy your holiday. Um, in this podcast, we're going to be talking about family and the importance of um, supporting your kids through all the health changes and the anxiety issues and the, you know, all the behavioral things that go on with kids who are unwell. Um, and as a mother, this is very close to my heart because I've been through quite a tough time over the years, um, supporting my kids through anxiety and health issues. And um, I just talk about, you know, different things that I found helpful. And I think at this time of year, um, it is quite a stressful time for families. Um, Sometimes it shouldn't be, but it is um, because there's a lot of expectations on us with our kids and with, um, you know, all the things that we want to fit into our schedule at this time of year, all the cooking, all the parties, all the family get-togethers. Um, and sometimes it may be family that you're not particularly close with or they don't understand what you're trying to do with your kids. Um, but I just hope that you can take a deep breath, um, you know, trust your gut instinct, do what you know you need to do for your family but also really just relax and enjoy this time of year as well. I hope that there'll be lots of tips and encouragement for you in this podcast. Um, I really enjoyed it. If you don't have time to listen to the whole podcast, um, probably the last quarter is where I I feel like I gave the best advice (laughs) Um, because I was actually being interviewed in this podcast. So... um, The ladies that interview me in the podcast are, um, one is a neuropsychotherapist, Dr. Nat, and her sister Lee is a neuronutritionist. And um, yeah, we're just talking about how to really support our children through anxiety and through the um, difficult stages of healing. And they asked me towards the end of the podcast what I think it means to be a good parent. And I I talked about some things that I've learnt in my 22 years or more (laughs) of parenting. Um, And I'm definitely not the best parent in the world, but I have learnt a lot in those years. Um, And I hope that it will be helpful for you because really it all comes back to relationship, um, teaching your children to communicate, teaching them a love of learning and um, yeah, you can work through just about anything together. So I want to give you a little word of encouragement um, for this Christmas season. 
I know it can be tough, but um, you can do it and it will get easier. Um, just really be gentle on yourself. Um, don't expect too much of yourself and um, just take it one day at a time. And I hope you have a really beautiful holiday. And I hope that this podcast is very encouraging for you. Thanks again for being here this year. And if you have any questions, please email me at help at quirkycooking.com.au. Maybe a little slow over the holidays to answer, but I will answer. I've also turned my messages back on on Facebook for the first time in five years. <laughs> I turned them off um, when I was... Oops when I was working on my own um, because I found it much too hard to answer everything. But now that I've got a team to help me, it's been a lot better. Um, so if you'd like to message on there and answer any of my stories that I post on Facebook in the stories where you click on my profile and you can um, see the stories, feel free to comment. Um, and if you've got any questions, you can ask there. But the, the help email is great because I have the whole team answering those. Um, so I'd love to hear from you. Also, um, Dr. Nat and Lee talk about their program in this podcast and it's a really great program. So go and have a look at it. If you have an anxious child or a child with developmental disorders or any kind of health issues that um, you're just not getting to the bottom of, um, I really think that what they're teaching is foundational, that you begin with the um, relationship with your child and they work up from there and um, yeah it's really powerful stuff so have a look at their um, at their program they actually have a special deal going at the moment and I'll put all the details in the um, show notes so have a look and before I go since this is a video you can if you're listening to this on the podcast and you want to see the video you can go to YouTube and watch on my YouTube channel quirky cooking um, all my podcasts are on there as well and this one will be a video podcast so before I go I'm just going to give you a little um, glimpse of my world here my little outdoor office and um, say goodbye have a really great Christmas hi everyone uh, my name's Lee I'm a neuronutritionist and this is Dr Nat neuropsychotherapist and we are from Love Your Beautiful Brain. Hi, everyone. And we're here today with the wonderful Jo Whitten. Um, Jo's an amazing mum of four gorgeous children. It's a big job in itself, Thank you. Jo. <laughs> yeah, full time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> jo was lucky enough to grow up with a fabulous mum of her own who taught her all about whole food cooking um, from a young age. Um, and then through some struggles of of with health for yourself and for your children, you discovered even more about the, the impact that processed food can have on health. Yes, uh, definitely. And but then, then your son Isaac really struggled with anxiety and OCD, and that started you on the long and arduous journey, Joe, of discovering how to heal the gut. Yes, uh, the, the key to improving health for all of us, and that's where you started on your gaps. Um, journey. Yeah. Joe is now um, the owner and operator and, and entrepreneur starter of Quirky Cookie. Yeah. And you have um, books, podcasts, 
programs. You've got everything within that Quirky Cooking website now. Amazing recipes. Amazing the recipes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I still remember. I still remember finding you ten years ago and going, "Oh, thank God, there's someone who knows." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy, and it's nice. Always works. So, an incredible support of mums. We're so very grateful that you you put all this work in. We know how hard this work <laughs> is that you yeah. do. It's amazingly hard work, and thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> So the reason that we're chatting with Jo today is is about um, it's about the program that we've we've started, which yeah, is called Love Your Anxious Child. Um, the first part of that program is called Love, um, and a lot of a lot of mums say, well, you know, why, "Why are you teaching that?" You know, we are we are clinical yeah, people. Yeah. You know, so obviously we're looking at all sorts of aspects of of biological support for children. That's right. Um, but this is this is a huge area. So love is about um, understanding that it is the environment that needs to change for these children, not the children themselves. So it's not about fixing yep. children. It's about changing the environment so that they can thrive. And this yep. is something that you have done for many years, Joe. Um, mm. And and it's not easy. So no. Oh, it's, not easy. it's really not easy. <laughs> In our society, um, our medical and societal model is all about band-aid, um, mm. band-aid approaches to health, but also about pushing through, mm. you know, uh, which, is, which is really difficult for, our, for our, our mums to sort of deal with. So these mums know intuitively, um, and this is a big part of that love program, yeah, is about your trusting that, that mum's intuition. Mm. Um, they know intuitively that their children need support and help yeah. But um, they actually get negatively labelled when they try and do this for their children. So this is where we get terms like helicopter mum. Uh, hate that one. Oh, yeah, we hate that one. Uh, <laughs> Molly coddling, you know. Mm. We've even had, we've had so many mums who've come to us who have been told by health professionals that the reason their child is anxious is because of them. Mm. Yeah. So, wow. So, and this is something that's actually backed up in, in research. You know, so we, I actually did a little, a little Google search, um, anxiety in children and mums. So many studies came up where they're implicating mums as the causative factor for anxiety. And then I did a little Google search on anxiety children and dads. <laughs> Not one joke. Not one study. Wow. That's spot. unfair. <laughs> so oh, of course. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, wow. so that was an interesting little little session. That just goes to show how deeply entrenched this belief is that uh, that it that it's mum who's causing the problem. And this is why it's so difficult for mums to come forward and say, "No, I know my child." Mm. Yeah, there's and, something happening here. Something's yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to do this my way. I am not going to, we are not going to let you push us into something that's not comfortable for my child. Mm. And that is hard to do. Yeah, being yeah. an advocate for your child is actually really difficult in this society. Really so, difficult. Yeah. Mm. So we, we'd like to hear how, you know, how it was for you. How were, how were you able to push against the tide 
Um, and what was that experience like for you? I'm, I'm sure it had its challenges. <laughs> yeah. <sure. laughs> but that's the beginning. So, so when did you know that your children needed more support than the, than, uh, the environment they were in was providing them? Um, probably when my eldest was at, toward, like in grade two, um, she was still at public school at that time and she just was not fitting in, was not coping. Um, she'd come home at the end of a school day really hungry and hadn't eaten her lunch and I'd say to her, why haven't you eaten your lunch? Because she was like me, very thin, would get the low blood sugar crashes if she didn't eat constantly back then. And um, I'd say to her, why haven't you eaten your lunch? Because she was usually starving by 9am at the time school started. Yeah. And she said, well, I, I get kept in at lunch times to do maths. I'm like, uh -huh. but why? Because I can't understand it. Turned out she was sitting at the back of the classroom as a good kid, you know. Yeah. Couldn't see the blackboard and we didn't know, or the whiteboard, sorry. Um, we didn't know this until after I ended up taking her out of school and she ended up getting her eyes tested and she couldn't even see two metres in front of her. Oh, my oh, God. Wow. So she was really struggling at school. Um, but I remember there was some kind of behavioural issue that came up because she was struggling so much and not coping and the teacher didn't tell me about it for a couple of weeks and then finally told me. And I said, well, it needs to be dealt with straight away. Like you've got to do something. I, that's one thing I know about parenting is that if you don't deal with something straight away, it just, the, the behaviour gets worse. Yes. I'm like, you, you know, you've got to do something right away. And she goes, I can't make her any different than she already is, Ooh. you know, from the other children. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> And there was just all sorts of things that I just felt like, our family, my children, they just didn't quite fit. Like my, my second child, he was in preschool at the time and all the other kids seemed to be learning to write their names, writing the alphabet. He's still running around sword fighting and things and he had no interest in writing his name and he couldn't figure it out and, and I was like, oh, you know. Anyway, so I decided to homeschool just basically because it was just so stressful, mm -hmm. um, mainly with my eldest. And I knew a lot of people that homeschooled and they were beautiful children who were really well adjusted. And I was like, okay, well, maybe they're not as weird as I thought homeschoolers were. <laughs> <laughs> I've always said I'm never homeschooling. But anyway, I decided to do it. And my sisters were, one of them was already homeschooling and one was about to start. And they're like, you can't do it. You're not organised enough. I'm like, I'm doing it. <laughs> um, but it, it just really working one-on-one -on -one with them um, really made me see, for one, how different they all are. Like my first one learned to read really quickly. My second one, like I said, he took, he was hard work teaching him how to read. Yeah. Um, he was more the ADHD type of kid. Yeah. Um, and... And just seeing, you know, how each of them, yeah, I just felt like they were all so different. They didn't fit into that box that some kids do really well at public school. They fit in. Yeah. They go full bore with their studies, whereas my kids didn't seem to. So mm -hmm. I think 
and also at, around that time, my third one, Isaac, who everybody knows, <laughs> he was, how old was he then? He must have been two or three and he was already a really different kid. Like I remember my, my friends saying to me, whoa, he's going to be like a human rights activist or something. <laughs> on in your face just loud and but really sensitive at the same time and you know won't give up on something once he decides on it and just different so yeah they were all different yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But, pretty young but I mean it is a big call to homeschool like most mums when they even think about it turn into it turns into panic, into panic mode <laughs> But I think, as you say, the stress of of trying to get these kids to school and trying to get them to fit in and yeah. watching them struggle with that mm-hmm. um, and watching them not fit in, that, yeah. that itself is, is so very difficult anyway. Yeah. When, when you see your child coming home from school with anxiety, not able to eat, mm-hmm. um, not fitting in, not keeping up with the rest of their class, it's just so... It's very stressful and that's how I felt with my eldest. Um, And I think seeing, thankfully, I had some really good examples of families homeschooling that were doing great. You were so lucky there, yeah. 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 Uh, Where I live, there's a lot of homeschooling families and um, there's some of them that have gone on to be like opera singers and all sorts of things, like really top quality artistic people and... So, yeah, seeing that made me go, you know what, you can be different and have have a different experience of education and it's fine. Yeah. And, and how did they find homeschooling? Did they? My kids? Yeah. Did they? They do- love it. Yeah. Um, we did a few years later when my business got so hectic um, and I was really struggling to keep up with the homeschooling and the business I did put them into a private school that we were doing distance ed through yeah. um, for one day, one day a week. You could go to the private school as part of your distance ed fees. So I thought, oh, we'll put them in, see how they go. And then I did it two days a week. And that got so stressful because around that time, Isaac went, started to go downhill. He was 11. And he started to have the meltdowns before leaving the house. His socks felt funny. He couldn't find things that matched. He, everything itched or whatever, you know, all the sensitive sensory stuff. And so then it became so, so stressful to send them that I, I think it only lasted about two terms. And they said to me, we never want to do that again. We hated it. We want to homeschool. Okay. (laughs) Thankfully I have. Thankfully, I've always lived near my mum, like two doors down. Yeah. So she's a big help. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, because I think that's, that's the important thing um, around these decisions is, it, mm. is it's, it's so important to try and get family and friends and everyone on board. Yeah. Got to so have the support. How did you do that? Because I know um, yeah. a lot of our mums particularly find convincing dad. Yeah. 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 That. Thing. You know, dads just want kids to fit in. They, they really don't yes. want to be different, you know. They're successful. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. How was that for you? Yeah, my husband wasn't quite on board at first, but he kind of left it up to me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, mm. and even now he still makes comments sometimes about mm, homeschooling. But <laughs> he never had to do it. 
So yeah. <laughs> like it, it was, and I don't see, he wasn't there for the everyday stuff where there was the meltdowns, there was the stress and the anxiety and there was the talking to the teachers. That was all left up to me. So yeah. when it was my decision to homeschool, you know, that was just my decision. Yes. Um, my mum and dad were a bit worried about it. They were like, mm, you know, because we all went to public school and they're like, oh, you know, we don't know if this is a good idea. But I think in the end they saw that it was good and the kids still had plenty of social, you know, connections and homeschool group and youth club and sports and church and all sorts of connections. So they didn't, they didn't suffer from a lack of social. social. Yeah, they never lacked that. Um, and I think it just took time for the family to get used to the idea and then it was yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's important for mums to recognise. I mean, you you went through the same thing. Yeah. So Lee's daughter, Shanti, um, went to primary school. Um, yeah. So she went to a public school, primary school, uh, and then hit high school. Yeah, and, we, and for her that was just too big a leap. So we found yeah. we, we've moved on to online school, which has just been amazing. And mm. she, because she can work at her own pace, she's just... Yes. So well and getting really good feedback and it's been a good, oh, that's good. But it was a hard decision for me because you have to give up some of your time and you, and luckily we have an online business which might be <laughs> why you started your online business but, you know, you need to be able to accommodate that and be yeah, flexible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately a lot of mums mm. struggle with that. So yeah. did it change your life and did it shape your life in terms of your career? Thankfully, when I started homeschooling, I was just a stay-at-home mum working full-time with the kids and I still had a newborn baby when I... And so it was actually easier for me because um, we lived on a farm um, and the bus would pick the kids up at the gate, but it was like 100 metres up the driveway. And I'd be trying to get the lunches done, the baby be screaming, I'd be trying to get everyone dressed and then run up that driveway with them to get them to the bus and we'd all be stressed out. And just to me, the relief of not having to make lunches and get everyone out the door when the baby's trying to sleep and I have to wake the baby to go take the kids and pick them up and yeah. it was just such a relief for me. It actually made my life easier yeah. um, because we could take our time in the mornings, we could do school in our pyjamas while eating breakfast, you know, the kids would be on the fo- sitting on the floor doing art while I was still cleaning the kitchen. And so I, it worked into my lifestyle perfectly because um, they'd be in the kitchen at the table and I'd be working in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and later as I started blogging, I mostly did that at night or in the after- late afternoons and so that worked perfectly. Yeah. Um, and if I, was, if I was getting a recipe tested and developing a recipe that was just normal life I was just cooking you know so then as the kids got older and um, we moved off the farm um, and they were in the higher years of schooling um, they they always just did school at the dining table while I worked in the kitchen or else I'd be at the table with my laptop yeah Um, so we're together all the time yeah. Nowadays, I've just got two left doing school. One's nearly finished, Isaac's nearly finished grade 12 and Cassia's nearly finished grade 10. And um, mostly they do everything on their own. Isaac's actually doing online school through distance ed now to finish their last two years. And um, Cassia's started pretty much her own business with 
um, pet painting uh, pet commissions. She's a she's an artist, yeah. and um, so she's doing that plus working part time plus school. She's the kind of kid that doesn't need she doesn't need much input from me. I help her with maths now and then, and that's about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's so easy for me. I I go off to my office most mornings. I'm at my office now, which is five minutes from home, so I can get my own headspace for yeah. writing and stuff. And um, yeah, I go home at lunchtime, check on them, you know, see if they need any help and then usually go back to the office again for a couple of hours and, um, yeah, they're much more independent now. And that's one thing I love about homeschooling. It does teach them to be independent with learning mm-hmm. um, and Isaac is like an amazing researcher. Like when he got sick, he researched everything himself. I did too, but he knew it. He knew it because he read everything he could. And um, they're very self-motivated because they're not used to being motivated by a teacher and deadlines. They have to motivate themselves. Yes. good. Yeah, I like that. And one of the things you learned about Shanti was that um, suddenly her... um, her creative yeah. side came to her because she's very creative. Yeah. She's a she's a beautiful yeah yeah dancer of, singer. She's just got so she had more time for that to come out. That's know? right. Yeah, all the time wasn't taken up at school and doing homework. Mm. She had a bit more time to to be creative and mm. I think that's that's something I've really noticed with homeschool kids is they're very creative because they have that time to focus on that and they're not rushing all the time. You've got to have the downtime and the quietness to, for the creativity to brew. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you can't be tired and exhausted and pushing your brain no. as it doesn't want to go. Mm. It's not something you can force. No, no. no. And the school system, I mean, there's been a lot of criticism about this, about the fact that it doesn't encourage creativity in children. Mm. Um, that it's just not flexible enough for, for children yeah. to have that, that beautiful creativity and that, that we're actually teaching uh, creativity yeah. out of our children. Yeah. So, and which is, yeah. it is really sad, it's particularly really sad. in this world we're in today. This, this, yeah. We are in a world where you, where you really require that intuitive, creative, um, entrepreneurial. Yeah, yeah. That's that true. World. And we're still teaching the three R's. It's just not. Yeah. It's, it's just, not quite. It's not relevant. Keep, the education style hasn't kept up with what we exactly. the changes it needs to make. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Some countries are better than others. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but we're still a bit in the dark know. ages. Yeah. <laughs> Frustrating. Um, I love. I love how like even like with Isaac, he once he, um, I don't know if you're going to talk about what happened with him, but once he really healed. And his brain started working really well. Um, like you say, that creativity and everything, he just started learning languages and wow. he figured that out himself. He taught himself. He made up his own methods yeah. and, you know, he picked up Japanese in one year. He could speak conversationally. Wow. Um, then he started working on Chinese and Korean and, you yeah. know, it's, and this is, that wasn't to do with a school subject. That was his downtime. <laughs> yeah, so you know that's just amazing because awesome. what basically yeah. you've managed to do is teach them the love of learning. Yeah, and, and that's what I always said to them. That's that's what I want you to have is yeah. a love of learning. It was funny once someone said to me, "Oh, someone said to the kids, um, what's your favourite subject at school?'" And they're just like, 
this is back when we were they were younger and so it was very natural learning kind of thing and they're like oh um and and when someone asked them do you like history and my son goes simmy goes no that's boring i hate history and i said simmy history is that book i read you you know child's history of the world oh i love history <laughs> i just weren't used to thinking of it as a subject but you know, they would listen to um a very readable form of going through world history and they would remember the facts they would be able to tell you about it and they loved it it's just a different way of learning yes my children's brains better than sitting in a classroom being told memorize these facts memorize these dates <laughs> yeah yeah because their brain just absolutely switches off and says no thank yeah. you mm. give them a story and they'll remember it yeah so did you did you come probably up any any negativity um yeah. around you or did you have any did you feel judged at all? Yeah, did you feel judged? Did you get yeah. that helicopter mum or whatever, any yeah. of that? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I don't remember that exact phrase, but I just remember being, um, yeah, my, I think even my sisters, well, my younger sister felt I was, I mollycoddled a bit too much. And I think my husband said that a few times. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I think especially when Isaac started to really suffer with anxiety, um, people didn't see all that I saw because he could hide it a bit better if he had to in public. Um, and even now his friends will, I'll, I'll explain some stuff to his friends about how he's feeling and they're like, I had no idea. Yeah. Because he yeah. won't. He won't open up and just tell someone yeah, this is how I'm saying in the course, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we've got a little saying in the course that, a child is only ever their true self in front of their mother. Exactly. Mm. And, and so I would try to explain to my husband, you know, what I thought was going on. And he, back then he couldn't verbalise it very well. Mm. And my husband's like, oh, he's just wanting attention. He's trying to get your attention. I'm like, no, it's not. I said, I can see the fear in his eyes. Yeah. It, there's something wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, my husband did think I was molly coddling him and I just – like my sister felt I wasn't firm enough and, yeah. you know, people don't see all that you see and they don't see what you find is helping yeah. um, because they just see the bad behaviour or the anxiety or whatever and think you're not doing the right thing. But you maybe have come a long way. They just haven't seen all that you've worked on already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's very hard too because you don't get to see where they might have been. Yeah, you know? so exactly. There's, there's no, exactly. can't have, you know, a little control group. Yeah. There's a child we didn't do anything with. There's a child. You know, <laughs> they didn't. They don't see the sleepless nights with your son screaming at 11 p.m. because he's having a phobia. Yeah. They don't see any of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's, I think, where it's so important for mums to be able to trust their gut with regard to their I children. Did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. And, and how, how did you do that? Well, yeah. How did you stand up for that? How did you that? manage to do that? I know my kids best. I mean, I like especially homeschooling, you're with them all the time. And I always made a point of, like, when they were little, they came everywhere with me. If I was doing the grocery shopping, I had four little munchkins following along behind, pushing trolleys. You know, it was, we spent so much time together and it wasn't just like time as in me doing one thing, they're doing something else. I was reading to them. I was discussing things with them. I was interacting with them constantly. 
And so you can see when there's something a bit off. Mm. Um, and, you know, no one else spent that time with them. So I knew that I was the best one to make the decisions yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I could see what was happening. I think most mothers do know that. They know that. Yeah. But they just get so, it's, it's just so, well, then you go, you might go to the GP and voice mm. your concern yeah. and they're to, you're told, Nothing no, wrong with nothing them. Nothing wrong with them. Yeah. Or you go to a teacher or you go to a friend. And, and particularly if the child isn't showing those behaviours in front of other people. To other people. Yeah, yeah. it's really hard that you're yeah. overreacting. Yeah. So how did you go with the, the medical system and how did, like, how did you find the best treatment for Isaac in that little journey? Um, I have a lovely doctor who's very open to listening which really helps. She's not like um, overbearing. I think yeah. you need to find a practitioner like that that will listen. Mm. And I don't think she understood what I was doing at first. Like I said to her, when we first went, um, she basically said, we need to get him straight on to medication. He's mm. really bad. He's got severe OCD. And we were just at such a bad stage that I just agreed. But I said to her, I don't want him to be on this for long. And at first she was like, oh, look, please don't stress about it. People stay on antidepressants all their lives and it's okay. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> I don't want him to start at 13 and go on. Cause we all know that medications continue to pile up the more you take them. And it's just so becomes bad. this yeah. Yeah. avalanche. And I was just like, um, so he went on to a small um, dose of like a fluvoxamine yeah. and um, they said, you know, she sort of said, oh, you know, we can reassess later because I was like, I don't want him on there for a long time. She was probably like, anyway, I said I'm going to work on his gut health and there's this diet that I'm going to do and she just kind of looked away because she didn't know what to say. <laughs> she didn't say, oh, don't be silly. You know, she wasn't like that or anything. Yeah. Um, but when we started seeing the changes so quickly, then she was curious. Then she started asking questions, getting the student doctor in, listen to this about this diet. And within six months, yeah, within six months she was like, I reckon he could come off the medication. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I'm scared too. So we didn't until probably 11 or so months. And yeah. then he slowed right down with it and came off it. And he was thinking clearer. And, of course, because it kind of dulls your brain a little. Um, and he was fine. And... Um, yeah, she's, she's been quite supportive, but, yeah, she still has that medical mindset and, you know, it's probably a lot of this is new for her. Mm -hmm. um, but we also found a psychologist who completely agreed that the diet was what helped. Yeah. Um, and when I said to her at about six months in, I said, look, or three or four months in, I said to her, look, I just am a bit scared that it's the medication helping him. He's doing so well, but what if it's just the medication and we take him off and he goes right back to where he was? And she's like, it's not the medication. She said, the doctor's usually doubled the dose by now. Yeah. So like, okay. And yeah. she came along to it. Um, so Isaac and I were invited by Pete Evans to speak with him on stage in Cairns um, oh, when Isaac was, about, yeah, Isaac was about six months along and he got up there and talked about youth mental health and what he'd done to help his brain and, oh, wow. um, this is a kid who couldn't even leave his bedroom. Yeah. He was just like, ah, he had a great time. He loved it. Um, and and the, the um, psychologist came to that seminar and she was in total agreement that we were doing the right thing with the diet and everything. So um, I've been pretty lucky with 
really good practitioners and also knowing so many people in the natural health world I've had their brains to pick yeah. um but yeah it's it's so good that you know people watching this have people like you guys who can set them up with those kind of practitioners and find them and that's a big it's part of our program it's yeah, about right. the right support and not and not so overwhelming to oh, find yeah. the right people and you know we, I mean we've had mums who have been into a GP and come out in tears mm. you know? yeah. oh, okay. oh, because some will kind of you know some people will kind of be so um skeptical I guess of mm. anything that's not in their realm of mm. you know, what they've learnt, that they will kind of maybe not mean to, but they'll kind of ridicule you for what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. And it's very stressful for a mum. Yeah. And I think yeah. this comes down to this is one of the one of my big passions <laughs> <laughs> is the um, the way mums are thought of in our society, the status of mums. Yeah. You know? I feel like um, um, our mum status is is right down there. You know, mm. even even mums judge other mums. Mm, it's a yeah. very, very high expectation job. With no status, no reward. <laughs> and Brene Brown talks about this. She calls it mother shame. Um, yeah. And the fact that there are so many expectations that we have as mothers that we're supposed yeah. to be able to do. Um, and we're supposed to do it all perfectly and keep our house perfectly clean and present ourselves perfectly, <laughs> you know. It's just... It's and just, feed our children yeah, perfectly. Yeah, exactly. Take them to all the things after school. And Absolutely. <laughs> and it's yeah. just judgment in every little thing in how they behave and how they learn and how they play sport and are they doing enough and there's just mm. judgment all along the way. So we have this massive job to try and meet all these expectations of everyone. Mm. Uh, and yet we get nothing for it. Well, you get no yeah. status or respect when, no. when you actually stand up and say, actually, I'm advocating for my child. I think that this learning style isn't right for them or I think that mm. what they need when you go to a GP, mm. you're shut down and say, well, you're just yeah. the mum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and same with your teacher. Yeah, you don't understand children. I'm a teacher. I understand children. Yeah, I've been to uni and learned all about them. So exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know, it's very frustrating. And then I think at the moment there's a massive movement for um, supporting women in the workplace in terms of equal pay and mm. and everything else that comes with that. But I really feel that until mothers get status and respect for being a mother mm. that we're yeah. never we're never going to achieve that because the minute that we decide and most mums do want to stay home with their children for a certain amount of time because that's what being a mum is um yes. that we immediately lose status and then when we yeah. try and re-enter the workplace we've got this massive jump mm. whereas yep. if our status actually increased by becoming a mother, which it should. I mean, a yeah. mass, massive, massive, massive learning curve. <laughs> you know, then then you'd be able to come back in where we left off, or or even further ahead. So yeah. that to me seems to be uh, yeah. should be what's the biggest challenge I think we have as women is to mm. get that that mother status back, mm. and I think yeah. we're. Unfortunately, are their worst enemies in this respect because we judge other mums, you know. Yes. We yeah. judge mums who stay at home and who don't work. Oh, what are they doing all yeah. day? We all know that being a mother is a full-time <laughs> job. 
you know, we all know I that. Remember, I remember when I had four kids under seven, I met this lady at kindy or preschool or somewhere and she worked and she had twins that were the same age as one of my kids. I was like, oh, my goodness, how do you enjoy it? Because I thought, how does she go to work all day and then come home and have to do all that? Like, oh, that blew my mind. And she goes, well, some of us can't just sit around at home all day. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just, I'm back. I was just like, oh, I don't know what I do. <laughs> I'm still cleaning the kitchen at 10 p.m. <laughs> There's no sitting. There's no such thing as sitting. Oh, my God. <laughs> and if you sit, you can't Difficult. And I think until mums really start to stand up and support each other, mm. um, you know, we've just got no chance. And if, yeah. we're, letting, if we're letting society label us um, in those derogatory terms, we've also got no chance. People yeah. need to stand up and say, like, no. I was really admiring her for being able to do both. I was just thinking, I don't think yeah. I can do both. Yeah. But, um, to her, it was kind of like, well, you should be doing both. Yeah, exactly. Like we shouldn't judge both ways. If a mother Exactly, is exactly. Yes. Yeah. We don't know all the details. And if, if they're at home, you don't know what they're doing at home. They could have a child with special needs. They could have, like, they could be gigantically busy all the time, which we yeah. don't have much. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're ever not busy. You know. Immigrants. So what do you think, Mum? This is something that um, that we all struggle with. What is a good mum? You know, what what makes a good mum? Hmm. That's a tough one. Asking me. <laughs> That's a um, you know, I think time, spending time with your children to really communicate with them and listen to them, um, is probably top priority for me, especially when they're little and they need that input. Like, don't they say by the time they're seven, their character is quite formed? Yeah. Like, you need to spend the time with them in their early years yeah. um, to teach them, um, you know, consequences and goals and, you know, you're teaching them all these things that we're trying to a lot of adults are trying to do all this self-help stuff because they weren't taught this stuff as kids. Yeah. And, um, you know, as mums, we're trying to, it's, it's really important to start working with them um, when they're really young and helping them to have confidence and helping them to feel like, hey, I can learn anything. And, yeah. you know, that's all, that all starts at home. That's not something you just go to school and learn. Yeah. Um, so to me that's, yeah, that, that really... Um, quality and quantity time I think is important. A lot of people talk about quality time as if that's all you need, but the quantity time is important too, like just being around each other and them seeing how you do things and, you know, while you're cooking you're explaining stuff to them and they may only be half listening but they're taking stuff in and just yeah. the everyday life doing it together. Yeah. yeah, and I think you're right. I think having spending time with your children means you know them. Mm. Um, and then you can adjust expectation. Now, this is one of the things I find the hardest and one of the things I've found the hardest all the way through my journey as a mum is, is we have these expectations of our children mm. and a lot of them aren't even connected to us. They're yeah. connected to what society expects. Yes, what everyone else what thinks our, our children should be. Our parents expect. <laughs> yeah. What our husbands expect, you know. So, yeah. so it's really, really difficult to really come back and 
and stop that, you know. Mm. It's not about what we expect. Well, the minute you put expectations of it on a child, you're creating stress. That's, that's yeah. just the truth of it. Um, yeah. And so we say in the program that rather than expecting from your children, for your children, you hope for them. Yeah. So you don't expect them to do well at school. You don't expect them to do whatever, whatever it might be. You hope mm. that. And that's a very different feeling for the child because you're yeah. them rather than um, <laughs> pushing them. Yeah, yeah, they're cheering them on and, and I have found that encouraging really. them. I have found that pushing myself, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I, um, I guess I was raised that way to mm. to push. Yeah, um, to the detriment of my health health uh, in the past for sure. So, yeah. so having to modify my expectations of my children, I find a daily battle, to be honest. Mm. I'm constantly having to think, whoa, what, why am I doing that? Is that, my, is that what I really want for them or is it what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. How do you deal with that with your children? Um, I'm, I'm pretty flex with them. Like I feel like I want them to grow and be happy and become beautiful, loving, kind adults. Oh, am I? Okay, can you hear me now? Hang on. This might Is be it my, in- might be Is it my internet. Hang on. Just one second. <laughs> Let's see if we can hear. Yeah. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, oh yeah. it's our computer. It's our computer. So we oh, have okay. to have our, our weird little influences <laughs> looking very okay. professional. <laughs> um, so, uh, what was the question again? Um, dealing with how do you deal with it? Yeah, and your own expectations of your children. How do you make sure that you're separating your own expectations of and letting them be who they want to be? Um, I guess I'm not a very pushy person, so that does help. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit soft. Um, and I think because I was raised with that, like you. Um, this sort of push, 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 and my personality is um, a little bit introverted and very soft. That was very stressful for me, mm. um, and I had a lot of anxiety. Like I remember sitting on my bike outside the house trying to go to school at 16 and crying because it mm. was just so stressful for me. Mm. Um, and I think... I never wanted that for my kids, which is another reason I homeschooled is because I didn't want them to have that full-on pressure all the time. I wanted them to love learning, not hate it. I wanted them to um, find the direction that was their natural bent, not this is what you must do to be Mm. successful in life. Um, So... You know, my husband sometimes I think feels like I don't have enough expectations on That's them. That's what happens to me. Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to push harder, Natalie. <laughs> yeah, probably my mum as well. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you know, I, I'm really trying to help them to work out which direction to go with their careers and work and things like that in a way that it will be something that they love. Mm. Um, And I have always said to them, you know, whatever it is that you love doing, you love learning about, you can make a job out of that because other people will love that too. Um, It's not just you. 
that loves languages or loves art or loves gardening or whatever. There's some, there is a way that you can make what you love. That's what I've done. I said, you don't have to follow anybody else's nine to five job. Yeah. You find what you love and then learn everything you can about it, get really good at it and it will turn into a job. And for now you may have to clean at the motel or do a bit of work at the grocery store while you're working on that. But Mm -hmm. um, so that's, I have never put an expectation on them with careers or money or anything like that because I feel like, you know, to me that's not as important as being really happy in who you are and what you do and um, feeling fulfilled in your work. Mm. To me that's much more important than the money. Yeah. Well, we all want that, don't we? Everyone yeah. wants it. Everyone wants that. That's so right. Yeah. Why that's... wouldn't our children want that? Too? Yeah. But I think we've all been trained that that's not how you do things. You go to school, yeah. you go to uni, you get a job, yeah. and, you, mm. and you make money. Almost, they're training the passion out of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not about what you're and that's why doing. kids can't then connect with what they want. So you yeah. end up with all these people who are doing jobs that they have no passion for yeah. Or they get halfway or three-quarters of the way through a really expensive uni course and then they quit because yeah. they don't even like it. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. well, they hate yeah. it. Yeah. 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 The other thing that I think um, the, the way that you've done that with your children uh, really helps develop connection. Like, I mean, we saw mm. with your beautiful boys that gorgeous connection that you have with them. I mean, yeah. that's, that's just We're that's very something close. We, yeah, that's something, and that's something Beautiful. as mothers that we all want with our children. Yeah. So how, how did you build that connection? How did you ensure that, that that emotional connection was always there and open? I think, again, spending the time. Um, mm. Just a few little examples, like when it was bedtime when they were little, I would spend a little bit of time talking to each one, sitting on the side of their bed, saying goodnight, the light's off. That's the time they open up. They yeah. call that the open window. I still do. You know, Mine 14, oh. yeah. Even as teenagers, teenage yeah. boys, they still open up at that time. They do. Um, so, so not like some nights you're so exhausted that I know. It's the worst thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but as much as possible, at least go and give them a cuddle and kiss and yeah. say goodnight and I love you and I hope you had a good day. But if you can, spend five or ten minutes talking. Um, also reading together. We did a lot of reading together and that's powerful. It's building things into their brain as you guys I'm sure teach about. Um, And it's also helping them to um, think critically and and discuss with you and then it becomes a way of, I don't know, it's a way of connecting with each other because you're discussing Mm. something that's more meaningful than just wash the dishes, clean their room, blah, blah, blah. So you're thinking about, you think my kids, like my boys, all of them, but especially my boys, love deep and meaningful discussions. Yeah. Like if you start them off, you can't shut them up. <laughs> because I started that really young. Yeah. Um, so you can have those really good conversations now as they're coming into their adult years, especially my eldest too. So um, doing fun things together as well. Whenever we started to get really stressed with homeschooling, like we were having a bad day with maths or someone was having meltdowns, I would just say, okay, come on, guys, everybody get a book. We're going to have a picnic. We'd go and put blankets outside or go to the lake or something. We'd take books and we'd just lay around in the sunshine and read and have a picnic. Yeah. That was school for that day. So, yeah. you know, 
I didn't keep pushing when it was yeah. not working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I always felt that building the relationship was more important than having um, a really high education. I always yeah. felt relationship came first. Um, and so if the education was getting in the way of the relationship, I'd put the education on hold until the relationship was restored. Um, that's beautiful. Yeah. I know a lot of mums come back with um, the kids bring homework home. You know, I mean, these kids have been pushing all day. So, of course, they're going to push back against mum when mum tries to of make course. them do homework. Yes. Oh, my God, and they have this huge fight. You know, the mum's yeah. fighting about making them do homework. And the first thing I say to mums is stop doing homework. Yeah, yeah just it's, stop it. It's not worth your relationship. The most important thing is your relationship with your child. Yeah. And if and they need to know that they've at least got you there. Mm. Yeah, at least they can rely on one person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The one person's going to listen to them, you know. Yeah. I know. And yeah. I've actually proven that homework is of no value. In primary school, yeah, they've mm-hmm. done studies on it, and then you push yeah. them for, for no reason, for no no outcome, no outcome, but four hours of sitting, yeah, it's yeah. it's really, yeah. So we always tried to have the um, the fun and the connecting sort of times, and also, um, yeah, doing things as a family. And I, as the kids have gotten older, I've spent time sort of one on one with them traveling. Um, yeah so because I travel a lot for my work and so I'll take one of them with me and then a different one and um and that's really a lovely way to connect and then at the beginning of this year um my two eldest Indian Simi um 22 and 20 no they were 21 and 19 at the time um we went to Spain for three weeks so like I couldn't have traveled with anyone else that I would have enjoyed it as much we had so yeah Knowing, knowing Isaac, I can I can appreciate. It. He just would have absorbed every single little thing. Well, it was actually just Simi in India. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Isaac's Isaac's Japan, so that's next. Oh, um, cool! He will love that. He'll be able to talk to everyone. Yeah, that's oh, cool. Friends later, and Cassia wants Paris, so Cassia's waiting for the art galleries in Paris. Oh, gorgeous! So, yeah. yeah, so that's you know just having that time as they become adults where you become friends yeah um, started back when they're young and you're spending that time with them and of course when they're young it's it's more of a parent child relationship but it's it's still it's still that beautiful friendship as well yeah yeah, yeah. Well, that's gorgeous that's gorgeous <laughs> you are amazing you are you're a beautiful person <laughs> yeah i love it <laughs> Thank you, Joe. That was so great. I, I really, I think our mums have just been through their love program. They've just finished it. So I really wanted them to hear from another mum um, that you can do this and that yeah. life does turn out great. Yeah. And not to listen to you all the You can enjoy critics. the teenage years. And <laughs> yeah. 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 And that, and that everything, you know, everything turns out for the best. Mm, um, yeah. And that, you know, that, that these children that we were given, we were given for a reason. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's beautiful. Can I just mention one more thing? Um, I remember talking to a psychologist when we had just gone through the, one of the worst stages with Isaac and um, she was just someone that I met through my business and I just started telling her what I'd been doing to help him and um, I told her how I was spending as much time as possible with him. We would go for walks together. He'd sit on my lap and we'd just talk and I'd hold him whenever he was having an episode and 
Um, and she said, you know what, that's the main thing that we say that kids need for recovery is the M vitamin. And I'm like, M vitamin? She goes, yeah, the mum vitamin. Yeah. That's what they need. And it's that closeness and connection with their mum that sometimes is the main thing that pulls them through. Yes. So for those of you struggling, just remember that it's it's that um, that relationship that yeah. is, I think is foundational for all of this for healing. Yeah. Yeah. The M vitamin, I love that. I love As that. a nutritionist, <laughs> that's a new one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank uh, you so much, Joe. That was just lovely to talk to you. Awesome. It was gorgeous. brilliant, and I'm Always sure lovely to talk to you too. Oh, thank you, darling. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure all our mums will really appreciate hearing from someone who's done it, who's been there, and who's come yeah. out the other side. <laughs> Still smiling. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Joe. Thank, Thank you. Bye. This has been a production of com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.